Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Pretty bad? Pretty good? 144 to 99. The Cavs beat the brakes off of the Raptors, who are now 14 and 16, two games under 500. Cavs now 20 and 13. And it is notable, noteworthy even, to say that the Raptors' starting lineup, or, well, I, I guess I would frame it this way the Raptors met the COVID protocols by the barest amount that any team has so far. I believe you cannot have more hardship exemption players than you do regular rotation players. The Raptors had four, and you need eight players to play an NBA game. If you have seven players rostered, you cannot play an NBA game, I believe. So they had eight players rostered, four were hardship exemption, four were regular members of the team. Those four... Yuta Watanabe, Svi Mikhailuk, Chris Boucher, and Delano Banton. Your hardship exemptions. DJ Wilson of uh, Milwaukee Bucks fame. Tremont Waters of Boston Celtics fame. Uh, Juwan Morgan of a dear friend of OG Ananobi uh, fame. And Daniel Oturu, uh, Chicago Bulls legend. So missing in this game. Justin Champagny, Goran Dragic, David Johnson, Precious Achua. OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Kem Birch, Isak Bonga, Malachi Flynn, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., and the guy you should be giving all your All-Star Game votes to, Fred Van Vliet. That's a lot of missing players. So anyway, eight guys stormed the court for the Raptors, and they lost by 45. It was, uh, that's, that is a notable amount of points to lose by. It makes you turn your head like a 45-point loss. Uh, what happened there? And so that's obviously covered by what I said about how many players were missing. The Raptors just scraping by the health protocols to get into this game. And then, you know, the level of guys who were there is obviously much different. There isn't a regular starter among the bunch. Yuta Watanabe was far and away the best player for the Raptors today. And Delano Banton, who, you know, has had like, a, not a star turn, but like a role player turn from a late second round pick to being a guy who plays some important minutes for the Raptors this year. He's a guy who very clearly the negatives of his game are incubated by better players. And he's allowed to shine the way he does 
you know, kind of freelancing defensively on occasion, pushing in transition offensively, getting some set plays to run as a decision maker. In this game, the free-flowing aspect of it, because as Nick Nurse said prior to this one, these guys haven't practiced together. They haven't done anything together. They Some of these guys probably met for the first time, like, today, honestly, right? Like, they're like, oh, hey, what's up? Um, I'm Daniel. And they're like, okay, cool. Ready to go play 48 together? You know what I mean? So they didn't have a lot of set actions. Like, they have their pitch plays. You have pick and roll. You have the regular screen stuff. I mean, every team runs horns because everybody's familiar with that. It's one of the most popular actions in the NBA. So, yeah, you have that stuff. You have your little your little fade routes, okay? You can, you can, you can do lots of stuff like that. But the free-flowing aspect of the game was not kind to the Raptors' offense. And, in fact, not kind to the Raptors' defense either because Cleveland, on the other side of things, had Darius Garland. They had Dean Wade, Rubio, Laurie Markkinen, Kevin Love. And they actually, those guys play a lot of minutes. And Garland, Wade, Love, Rubio, Markkinen, I mean, those are all guys who are proven NBA players. Garland is punching up towards all-star status currently. Will he get in this year? Probably not. But he's a very, very good young guard. The pick and rolls they ran with him, he got into the teeth of the defense. Things worked very well. He had a blast. Kevin Love, 22-9, and 6 of 9 from downtown. Like, he... He was just teeing off from there. Markinen drop-stepped in the post for a dunk. He hit jumpers. He got to the, like, he was getting in very close proximity. And Rubio, because the Raptors played zone to start, like, if you wanted to test another team and pick up basketball, and you're like, let's see if they can just shoot. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Ricky Rubio's out there. We know he can't shoot, so let's zone up. Well, Kevin Love is a really good passer. Garland is a really good passer. Rubio is just a phenomenal passer. And uh, Dean Wade is exceptional at moving. Laurie Markkinen less so than everybody else. But that's a really tough team to play zone against because when you play zone, if the other team is like plus passers and can move well into space, it's not going to work that well. And so the Raptors, they worked hard in zone, but they still gave up points because of the motion and the passing. And then by the time the second half rolled around, despite their best efforts, Darius Garland and co. just kind of teed off on them, got way too many easy shots, really got dialed into what the Raptors wanted to do offensively because there's about three things they could do on any given possession, whereas in the NBA, typically you're looking at like 14 set actions that you could see with like a number of different ways to create the framework for how it works. And yeah, the <laughs> Cleveland was adjusting, safe to say. And the guy who kept making it work more than anybody else was Yuta Watanabe. And Chris Boucher was willing to take more than anybody else. He put up 19 shots, took 10 triples, a couple of which were like five, you know, on NBA.com backslash stats. You can sort by how long the ball has spent in a guy's possession and then see what percentage they shoot when the ball spends a long time in their possession. A couple of those like, six-plus-second possessions for Chris Boucher. Pretty wild, and they didn't go well. But this is a guy who's meant to be serviced. Like, he isn't a shot creator. He's a finisher. His best games are when he's coming off, like, flares and stuff like that as a shooter last year, and a pick-and-roll or pick-and-pop option. He's not supposed to be getting the ball at the 45 extended and trying to make stuff happen. So this was an ill-fitted game for Chris, and, like, sure, he was poor, 
but I wouldn't really read into any part of that. The 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 most part the most positive things are the hardship exemption guys. Honestly, DJ Wilson, fifteen points, eight rebounds, four assists, four steals, hit a couple jumpers, was pretty productive. Especially like he was a Hellcat defensively for the Bucks. That was the whole appeal of his game. There you could. He's one of those guys who you know a beat writer could put a video of like there's a a 13 second defensive sequence for him where he's you know xing out and recovering and then gets a block and then the block goes to somebody else and then he gets a steal like that's always been a huge part of his game and i think that was fairly representative of what he did here tonight he he moved well defensively the the effort was palpable and he showed a little bit more skill than maybe we're accustomed to seeing because the floor was open to him and he was out there trying to make things happen more so than he ever would in any other circumstance and uh Juwan Morgan I mean 27 minutes pretty quiet box score his most of his numbers actually came in one stint where I think he had three rebounds on one possession and he's he's a big boy like he's um he's more heavy set than you're used to seeing from an NBA body but he moved really well. He was active. This game doesn't make you think like, oh, he'll be around for a while and he's going to be a meaningful player. I don't know if he's a guy they gamble on. As far as Tremont Waters, this is, a, this is the point guard. He's he's pretty small. He looks like he's about 5'10". He, he looks even shorter than um, than Fred Van Vliet out there. And it, there was a lot of like high-level reads that he made going downhill. His handle was really tight. He got the corner on Rubio. He got the corner on Garland, and he was able to turn it downhill. That stuff was really good, and he was like pretty unabashed about shooting from three. The jumper looks good, but two for eight is obviously not anything to write home about. So Tremont Waters did his thing. And uh, Oturu, yeah, pretty quiet. Not much to say about that. He's a big. He, uh, he was significantly outsized by Taco Fall. And Taco Fall, like, that was maybe one of the more fun parts of this game was that the Cleveland crowd, because this game was in Cleveland, they were, he had three rebounds offensive, of the offensive variety on one possession. And, like, there's that, you know, circus slash comedy aspect to it because the guy is seven foot six. When he grabs a rebound, it doesn't look like the Terrence Ross acrobatic, like, skying for it, like, He's on his tippy toes or he's flat footed and is he's reaching up as if God is delivering like a baby to him. And he's like, come to my arms, sweet child. I will replenish an offensive possession with you. And that's really fun, especially for that crowd. And it was it was kind of fun as far as like just being able to watch this game and see a tall guy do tall things. But yeah, the Raptors as a whole. It's just not not a good game. The only guy who really punched it, well, there's there's probably two players who punched above their weight, I would say, and that's DJ Wilson and Yuta Watanabe. They were both, I think, quite strong. They could really go home after this game and say, I showed out better than probably expected, and I did so well that the team probably is looking at that body of work and saying, this actually gives us something to consider. And with Yuta, it wasn't just the fact that he very clearly was going to grab a whole bunch of rebounds. You give him any meaningful amount of time on the floor, Utah is going to hunt down something. And if rebounds are available, he's going to get there. Not only can he sky for them and like climb up over guys and get to the ball in air, but he'll chase it down when it's ground bound as well. But Utah, a guy who he's, he's way more talented offensively than a lot of his production might suggest because he's more passive relative to his skill set 
than a lot of players would be in his exact circumstance. And that's an important thing to note. And in a game like this where he's a little bit more freed up to kind of go buck wild with what he wants to do offensively, it's not a it's not a big surprise that he got into the middle of the floor, hit those little pop shots in the lane, passed out to the corners, made plays. The assist numbers aren't big in this one. He only had one. But when the ball was in his hands, he was able to get downhill and make meaningful plays with the ball. And a lot of that ended up being as a scorer. I mean, he hit 11 shots in this game. He had 26. And three free throw attempts was probably pretty low for him in this game, too. He provided a lot of pressure. And so, you know, DJ Wilson plugged in a little bit, too, of course. But as far as offensive highlights, Yuta Watanabe was the standalone guy for the Raptors in this one and was very nearly the lone offensive highlight or lone overall highlight for the Raptors. But the biggest highlight for the Raptors actually is that these guys got paid. I mean, a lot of these guys are trying to just find their way into an NBA roster because that's a significant bump up in earnings and the money they made today and on these 10 day contracts will radically change their year will radically change, you know, depending how they use it, depending on whatever it means to them. It's a super meaningful, big amount of money. And these guys got to get it. So that's the the big silver lining of all this is that no money comes from guys like Fred. No money comes from guys like Justin Champagny. It's just these guys who work so hard and sit on the fringes of the NBA, they're collecting a way bigger check than they normally would, and they and their families will benefit greatly from that. That is that is the best part about this whole thing, and that's what makes that's that's the big silver lining to me. That that's awesome to see. I'm extremely pleased about that. And uh, like, hell yeah, they get to Yuta Watanabe has a 26 and 13 game in his bag. now. He was the best player on an NBA team for a game. That's pretty cool. And guys like DJ Wilson, 15, eight, four and four. Like if he has a kid, if he has family members, they can just they'll watch that on YouTube. They'll see that he had four steals in a, in a half in an NBA game. Oturu, Morgan, Waters, all these guys banging on the door, trying to get in and finding their way to it. It's super awesome to see. Obviously, Delano Banton didn't have the game he wanted to, but hey, them's the breaks, you know? That's that's the way it works sometimes. So the, man, it's hard not to give the Reggie Evans award to Yuta Watanabe like every game. His, his effort is so palpable and he does so much. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to give the Reggie Evans award to Utah. And so, uh, yeah, good for you, Utah. You did your thing. Uh, the quick reaction, Zarrar has dubbed it a rental loss. Uh, that's pretty clever. Well done, Zarrar. The top quick reaction comment is from Icon. Quote, what in the world do you take away from this game? For me, mixed feelings about playing versus postponing it. But maybe there's three thoughts. One, just before tip-off, Utah directs instructions to Svi to switch with Delano. Svi tells Delano and they switch. Wilson gets the tip and the ball falls into Delano's hands. Once again, Utah showing his high IQ. Maturity plus his hustle. Scores over Taco twice at the end. Guy does not quit. Just wishes, just wishes three-pointer improves. Two, some boneheaded plays by Boucher early, mid, and late, too. This guy should be the leader on the team tonight, but honestly, Wilson showed more in his first game. Makes him intriguing, in my opinion. Three, could Waters already be better than Malachi? End of quote. Uh, okay, Utah, you and I are... Agreed. I've written a lot about Utah. I've talked a lot about Utah. He reads the four at an exceptional level. He has one of the best, as far as like role players in the NBA, his feel is super top notch. There are some teams that he would sneak into the starting lineup, I think. And he's no doubt 
a playoff rotation player. He's phenomenal. And yeah, the three-pointer coming around at volume, just something that would be nice to see. He shot 40% last year. If he could get like bump up his volume and get to around like 36, 37, you're looking at a player who's really starting to punch up at a very unique position in the league. Uh, two, uh, Boucher and like boneheaded mistakes. Oh man, I, I don't care. Boucher is a guy who has to be serviced. He has to be put in the right positions and nobody was going to do that in this game. So he was just like, let me get some shots up. And they lost by 45. I, I don't care. Like he could have made better decisions and maybe they lost by like 37, but I like, who cares? Right. And Chris Boucher has had a way longer and way more meaningful stretch of good play off the bench last year, especially, right? So when he plays next to a good guard, he can be put in positions to succeed, and we know he can finish. Maybe the three-point percentage last year was an aberration. Maybe it was, and, like, that's a totally fair thing. But as far as a guy who can bring energy, a little bit of offensive rebounding and pop off the bench, I'm still fine with Boucher. I don't think this game is a, an indicator of poor decision-making or anything. This was just a goofy-as-hell game, man. This game was nuts. And three, Waters uh, better than Malachi. I, I don't really see it, but Waters, I think, uh, did some good things in this game and should be happy and proud of what he was able to do. But Malachi is certainly, I would say, um, in a better position to succeed at the NBA level than Waters is currently. But... Things can always change. It's it's never static. So uh, thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for listening in. I hope I sound better. Uh, I, I logged off of my last um, podcast saying, hey, I sound different. Uh, it's because I'm sick. So sorry. And just so you know, I got tested for COVID and I do not have COVID. I've been able to avoid it to this point. So uh, good luck to me. And uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Uh, well wishes to you. Uh, and everybody who uh, is together with family and hanging out and just living life at this moment in time. All the best wishes to you. Uh, yeah, whether you get into this in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.